what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 249, almost to 250, of Amen, Brother Ben. This is the podcast that keeps you focused on God and acting like Jesus. What can we learn from Elisha about following God? Let's find out. Hey, thanks for listening. Amenben.com, if you don't know, is the website where you can find out. I had one of my one of my dear friends the other day said, Hey, you're on are you on Spotify? I said, You should. they were asking me a question. I said, Well, you, you would have known if you listened to the podcast, wink wink, nudge, nudge. And they went, Well, I don't I haven't listened in a while. Hey, are you on Spotify? I said, Yes. The podcast is on Spotify and Apple Music and Google and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so go to the website if you're not sure where we're at. Amenben.com. It's got links to all the different podcast platforms that we are a part of. You can also follow. You know, I was thinking of doing. I know this is weird. I don't know if this will work, but I was thinking of doing like an Amen Brother Ben TikTok. I know, I know, I know. I'm 36. I know, but it just would seem like uh, an interesting way to break the podcast down. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Just, just, just thinking of some things. Anyway, so if you've been following along, those of you that listen, that go to our church or watch online, uh, we just finished up a series called Elijah and the Blaze of God's Glory, where we talked about Elijah's life, but this last, and, and how, well, really it was mainly about God, but Elijah was a part of that, and, and his journey taught us a lot. Um, and I just barely touched on a little passage on Sunday where Elijah passes on like the baton so to speak to elisha different person it's not just because somebody has a lisp and they pronounce his name different elijah and elisha were two different people in fact they were mentor mentee it was like you know uh bow to your sensei you know he followed elisha followed elijah and learned how to be a prophet of god and it's an interesting model for discipleship now here on the other side of Jesus, on the other side of the cross. We know that we can't always take exactly what happens in the Old Testament and copy-paste it because there was there's a lot of other context going on, right? We talked a little bit uh, last week about what, you know, how Israel was a theocracy and we are living in a democracy, right? So you know, some of the things they did on record in the Old Testament wouldn't necessarily be applicable today. Also, you know, all the whole law, all these rules and regulations that were meant to be, and as Jesus says, I, I've come to fulfill those things. So it's not a copy paste, but you can go back and you can learn principles from these uh, stories. And that's why we still study the Old Testament scriptures. And so I wanted to reread this, this uh, two verses that I read Sunday and I said, I wanted you to get the origin of the story, but I don't have time to touch on this, but I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. So that's what we're going to do. First Kings chapter 19. Um, this is after God had already told Elijah, you're going to be replaced by Elisha, which was a whole nother, you know, line of, of things that were happening. First Kings 19, starting with verse 19, it says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat or Shaphat depending on what emphasis you put on the right syllable, uh, in a field. Now, look at this. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. 
Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Again, as I told my people on Sunday, I know that seems weird, but that was a whole thing. Because Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, again, he didn't even have to explain, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, if someone walked up to you and threw a cloak over you, you'd be like, I'm not cold. What are you talking about? What are you doing? But Elisha knew what that meant. He knew who Elijah was. He says, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I'll go back. Or then I'll go out. Not go out with you. That's weird. I will go with you. I will follow you basically, because he knew it was a call. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. He's like, this means something. Like, really, really think about this before you, you're hasty, right? Is, consider what this, this means and what this implies. Verse 21 says, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all Eight, and then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So, again, kind of weird because we have a different modern context here. But there are some big things about following God because this is essentially what it was. He was following Elijah, but Elijah was under the commands of God, and um, it was kind of a, a precursor to the Apostle Paul's whole "Follow me as I follow Christ." Elijah was saying, follow me as I serve the Lord and you'll do the same. But this is all for God. This is not because I'm so great, right? This is that I'm doing this not because I want to. I'm doing this because God's told me to. And so we learn a couple things from just this little interaction here about what it means for you and I to follow God. Because there's one, it's one thing for you to believe in God, but it's another thing to follow in obedience, to follow in his calling and and to to fashion your life in such a way that your belief in God makes a difference. Because I'm here to tell you that your blessings and your salvation do not hinge on whether you think God is real or not. I've heard a lot of people when I've talked to them about their faith and they say, well, I believe God's, I believe God's real. And, and like, like that's supposed to be it. And then the Bible even says, well, the demons believe that. And they tremble. That doesn't mean that we're doing what we're supposed to. That doesn't mean we are uh, sowing seeds of blessing and abundance and flourishing in our lives. And that and that certainly doesn't mean that when our life is, is spent here on this earth, that we will get access to our creator in eternity. So it's important for us to follow God and not just believe in him. And so this shows us a couple things, this passage here. One of the things that we see is that God follow, following God means that you have to reprioritize your life from before, right? A lot of you maybe haven't grown up in Christ, haven't grown up in the church. And even if you have, you still have to continually check your priorities and make sure that they fall in line with scripture and fall in line with what God is telling us to do. Um, in this situation here, uh, Elisha leaves it all behind and he reprioritizes his life, specifically his career and his financial situation, right? His, uh, he apparently comes from a wealthy family because they have 12 teams of oxen working this field. That means there was a whole business operation and he was working for the family business being on the 12th uh, team of oxen there. It's like he was, he was a part of what his family was doing and they had money. And that means security. And that means, you know, uh, comfort. 
and and God says, yeah, that's good and all, but reprioritize that to what I'm telling you to do, right? And, and so those things were not as important anymore. And yeah, he had a job to do, but God had a job for him elsewhere. Now, again, we can't copy and paste this and say that whatever you were doing as a job before you got saved, you got to quit that job and you got to, you know, burn it down with not, without a two weeks notice. That's not what, what we're saying here. What I'm, what I'm trying to communicate to you is God may reprioritize your life and your career is no longer the most important thing. Your financial situation is not the most important thing. Those things, those, and then all the relationships as well in your life, they bow to Jesus as well. And so that's why Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters. He's talking about money and him and God. He's saying, listen, sometimes you're going to have to choose. And it's nothing wrong with having a job. That's a good thing. In fact, there's other parts of the Bible that says you should have a job. You should produce and work and provide for your family. There's nothing wrong with having money. There was plenty of, of uh, wealthy people that did good things in this world. But you can't serve, right? When you get saved, you serve Jesus alone. And so you no longer serve your money. You no longer serve your comfort. You no longer serve, you know, those things are tools and, and, and resources that we can use for God, but they're all meant to serve God. And so if, if those two things conflict, then if you're following God, then he gets the top priority. And so that's what happened here. There's nothing inherently wrong with Elisha being a farmer. There's lots of farmers that were in God's will, but God had a plan for Elisha that meant he needed to follow Elijah and leave behind some of those things. And so that's this thing that the Christians have to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. The, the Christians have to uh, have good fellowship with other believers, uh, which, which kind of leads into our second point here is that following God means pursuing fellowship and discipleship, not only to help you prioritize, but just in general, that when you follow God, it's, it's not something, you know, you say, I have a very personal faith and I don't like to talk about that. Why not? There's other people in your life that need to hear your faith, faith, so that their faith can be strengthened, so that their faith can that could that could plant a seed that could lead to a change in their eternity, a change in their blessing. So, having this quiet, um, uh, personal faith that doesn't go and preach the good news is not the type of faith that Jesus tells us to have, right? And so. By the way, I get this from that whole cloak maneuver, right? Elijah came and he put his cloak over that, and that was just a symbol. He was saying, this was like an invite. This was like a, a an invitation uh, that, and telling Elisha that the mantle, the position, the anointing of prophet of God was going to be his. Now, that's not all of ours. Again, don't copy paste this, but that signaled right there the beginning of, uh, of a friendship and a fellowship and a discipleship relationship that grew out of that, that made that that passing of the mantle, that draping of the cloak significant, because that was the, the beginning of Elisha and Elijah working together, Elijah discipling Elisha so that he could be who God's called him to be. And every one of us has to have those type of relationship opportunities that God wants for us. It may not be one person in it, it may be one person for a season, uh, and then it might be a different person, but God wants us 
to have the type of friendships and relationships and interactions where we can teach others and others can teach us, and we are making disciples of all nations as the Great Commission commands us to. Um, or verses like 2 Timothy 2.2 2, that says that what you've heard from, this was this was Paul talking to Timothy, so what you've heard from your, your preachers and your pastors and your spiritual leaders in the presence of many witnesses, that means we're all getting together, that fellowship, fellowship is just a churchy word for a big group hang. Uh, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This thing is supposed to multiply. It's it's a, a good and spiritual example of multi-level marketing, right? Without the slimy salesman, hopefully, um, because everybody benefits when that word gets preached, when that when that example gets set and that lifestyle gets replicated. So following God means that you're going to have to pursue those types of friendships, even though you don't like people. I get it. People suck. People aren't fun. People get on your nerves. But fellowship and discipleship right, uh, have to come in relationship. And, and God has called us to that as a body of believers. He, so many of the commands that are spoken, especially in the New Testament, but in all the Bible, are, are made to a group of people because it's just a foregone conclusion that, that we're going to be doing this thing together, side by side, locking arms, building the kingdom of God and encouraging each other in the process. So if you, you want to go from just knowing about God to following God, get you a group of friends. Get you a group of people, a group of believers that follow him and then do that together and let them get in your Cheerios and let them challenge you and let them criticize you and let them encourage you as well. Now, the you know, that means the local church. That doesn't necessarily mean a building with a steeple, but having a group of people that you call church, that you're accountable to, that you submit to, and that you let uh, uh, kind of mold you into the image of Christ. Um, that's how God's chosen to do it. You don't like it. I'm sorry. Take it up with him. This is just how he's laid it out for us. And there's one other thing though today, um, that I wanted to share with you that, that, uh, about following God. Cause I want you to follow God. I don't want you to follow me. I don't want you just to listen to a podcast to, to fill up some time. I want you to follow God wherever he is leading you and guiding you. Um, and so one of the things that, stuck out to me the most about what Elisha did in, in 1 Kings 19. Uh, he made it so he can't go back. Following God means not going back. You are you are not on the fence. I preached about this a couple of weeks ago. We got to get off the fence. We got to be all in head first to follow God. Uh, and that's what Elisha did by burning. You're going, why did he kill the calves and burn the plant? That was unnecessary. He's just being, he just woke up today choosing violence, didn't he? Here's, here's the thing. Well, there's multiple things to that little maneuver he did. One, uh, he made a sacrifice, right? Because back in those days, how you worshiped God was you built an altar, you killed an animal because the blood needed to be paid for our sins, aka Jesus later on. That's why we don't do that now. But he he made the blood sacrifice. He he followed. He went ahead and and obeyed God in what he knew he needed to do because God had already set those rules and regulations for those people at that time. So he was following God in that, and he so he took what had been making him money and was a source, and, and he he literally put it on the altar to God. Right? Are you starting to see how we may have to do that too? That we we need to take our job. 
We need to take our career and we need to put it on the altar of God and let him have his way with that. If you are, because, because later on, Paul tells uh, us in the new Testament, do everything, whether you're working or whatever, do everything for God. Ultimately, you're not working for your boss as much as you're working for the boss with a capital B for God. And so you have to put, so that's what Elijah was doing was putting his job literally on the altar and burning it up and saying, Lord, have your way with this. But also number two, he supplied to the people. He killed the oxen. Then they had a big old barbecue. He used what God had given him to bless people. Imagine Elisha walking up and Hey man, here's, here's an ox burger. Oh man. Cool. Thank you. I'm getting real specific there, but you know what I'm saying? It's the Bible says he he fed people. He used what God had given him, and even though he was giving it up, he he made sure that 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 career and that move and that he made was not a, a draining on people. It was a blessing to people. Um, but but finally, he made sure that that didn't that he couldn't go back. He burnt his plow. He killed his oxen. There was not an option. There was no plan B. Right, I had a friend tell me that the other day. We were talking about a career choice and a career move that he was about to make, and we were talking about, well, what if this and what if that? And and he said, you know what? I I played, I prayed about this. I know God's going to provide. No plan B. And I was like, heck yeah, dude, let's let's go, B. Let's go. I was really excited. But that, that, that's what, that's what we need to do when following God. We don't need to go back. Right, burning the plows means we don't get to go back. This is kind of like there's a new song by this group called uh, for King and Country called "Burn the Ships," which was a good song in and of itself. But it's it's this idea that came from uh, the 1519. Get a little history on here: the 1519 Spanish conquest of Mexico. There was a guy named Hernan Cortez uh, that when they they got to Mexico. To make sure that they didn't go back. Now again, I'm not I'm not saying that conquest was what what needed to happen was a good thing, but to in order to make his people and his his crew uh, fully committed, he made them burn their ships. He made says, "Listen, there is no way we're going back. We have got to make this thing work." And Jesus. I think while he might not have liked the conquering sentiment, he likes the sentiment of all in. In fact, this Jesus tells us as much in Luke 9, uh, I think it's, it's verse 62, where it says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So Jesus even takes it to that plow reference that, that we see in Elisha here. He says, don't look back. You are not fit to serve the kingdom of God and be useful to God if you keep going back to your old life, if you keep looking back to the things that controlled you, the sin that defined you, the the relationships that that you put ahead of God. Don't look back. Looking back doesn't does, never works out well for people in the Bible, and it doesn't work well for us either. Don't hesitate. God has got a plan. Trust to put his faith in, in the fact that if you obey him to the best of your abilities, he will provide for you and 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 you just keep following him. That's what and and, and but with the people that go back though, man, that's that's like the worst move you could possibly do. Second uh in second Peter two, it says it would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to go than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. So it would be better for you to not even know that a God exists, to not even know that there's a better way 
than for you to know it and then refuse to do it and say, you know, I'm going to go back, even though God saved me, even though God's given me an opportunity uh, to to follow him, I'm going to go back. That is not the way. And that's that's what I, I don't want that to be you, where you you make some decisions and you you say, all right, we're going to follow God. I'm going to, I'm going to be a Christian. And then you go, oh, I don't know. I kind of miss that old stuff. And you start to wander back to the things uh, that are not of God, that are of the world, that, that are the opposite of what God wants you to do. And so when you follow God, please, please, please don't go back. It will not end well. Put your faith that what's coming up ahead, because whatever is ahead, whether it's, by the way, Jesus says, to follow me, pick up your cross and your suffering and your persecution and your trials and your tribulations. But the tri- all that stuff, let's say it's just as bad as you think it's going to be with trials and tribulations and conflict um, and, and sacrifice, because we give up things like we've just seen to sacrifice that to God. Guess what? That's still better than going back, Right. A, a, a life in poverty, a life of pain um, and suffering, but in obedience to God is going to be a billion times better than putting your hand to the plow and going back, right? Because in because God will bless you in, in the now, but he's certainly going to bless you in eternity. It's going to be worth it. So again, just to recap here today, because we, we looked at this situation and, and what Elisha set the example for us, that if we're going to follow God, if you're serious about, about being a, a disciple of Jesus and, and follow, because guess what? Following God means following Jesus. There is no differentiation. He says, I, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so if you're going to do that, then you need to reprioritize. You need to make sure that your priorities line up, especially your career priorities and how you spend your money and your time um, and, and put those things on the altar and make sure that you are only serving one master, that being uh, God. Uh, also, so so following God means reprioritizing. It means pursuing fellowship and discipleship, those relationships that encourage you, that you can encourage other people, that we can do this thing in community living life together. And then following God means not going back. I know that that's not the only things. This is not the end all be all, as I've been saying lately, but those are two big, those are three big ones that uh, we need to make sure that we're getting right if we want to follow God. If you have any questions, amenben.com, pastorben at lovesiler.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you and talk more about it. If you have any questions when it comes to following Jesus, I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to, but there are certain things that I know, thanks to the authority of the word of God, that I do not mind telling you. Um, and also I'll help you. I'll help you find some answers, whatever answers God has for us. Love to talk to you about that. Thanks for listening. We love you. See you next week.